Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I am here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. We are your morning show for any hour. We got debt ceiling. We got a little 2024. We got a little uncanceled. One of my favorite segments. When a brave person stands up for some art that, 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 that the wokesters are coming after. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. We got it all coming to you. But before that, Vic, how was your Memorial Day weekend? Hello, Mary Catherine. Doing just fine. Went to a lovely uh, baby shower on Sunday and then uh, spent some good family time on Saturday. Family is now doing better. As you know, we had to deal with some staph infection issue from a couple weekends ago. But really the lesson is kids, particularly in schools, wipe down the gym equipment. That's just (laughs) my only advice. No, had a lovely time. And yesterday I did something that I don't often do. Now, people know that I cook. And I like to drink, as you know, and I make food and and, and drinks and cocktails and such. But what people might not know is, number one, I don't bake. Okay. I don't think I've really ever baked. It's very scientific. It's not my thing. The second thing is, I don't, I like grilling, but I'm not a barbecue person. So I don't have, you know, a chimney. I don't have a smoker, a green egg. I don't do the chips or the pellets or whatever it is. So on rare occasions, I might barbecue, and yesterday I decided to do baby back ribs. Oh, nice. How did they turn out? Pretty good, all things considered, from somebody from Jersey. I started at about, like, a little after two in the afternoon, and it was ready around six-ish. Nice. So, I mean, the key was low temperature, and just keep on putting on... I had this barbecue sauce from Sloppy Mama's, which is the barbecue okay. place up the road, and turning it over every 20 minutes, moving it around, and... And indirect heat, yes. indirect heat. So about a little uh, 300, about 300 degrees. Kate just kept on asking me, so they're cooked through, right? They're low, cooked? Low Are they cooked through? Low, low and slow. slow. I said, yeah, they're... Are you sure they're cooked? Are you sure they're cooked through? She was asked me five times. Well, pork is more nerve-wracking. It is some for some things. people. Yes. It is true. I don't mind a little, I don't mind a little trichinosis. I assume that you and Steve coming from North Carolina, you are not only barbecue enthusiasts enjoy Mm -hmm. uh, that you enjoy it but you're also aficionados do you really get into it so we're not super into it we're proficient i would say but we had a we had a gathering at our house this year this weekend one of our friends is moving to alaska my next plan is to try to get four kids up there to visit them that's a story for another day but we had a group of people over and actually the dad of the family that's moving is great with barbecue so he brought a pork but you know, oh, like pulled pork, 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 yeah, pork, yeah, pulled yeah, pork yeah. for Pull us. That apart. Very nicely, slowly smoked. Beautiful, wonderful. We didn't have to do any work. It's great. I made a cocktail. Here's a cocktail. Thank you for your service. So we Very did nice. that. But we had a good weekend, busy. Took yeah. the, took my big girls to Arlington Section 60, which is the war on terror more, yes. more recent area, to hang with some friends who are, of course, Gold Star families oh, and boy, visit a couple of... at. The Travis Manion Foundation, we have something called the Honor Project, which was started by a friend of mine, actually, Emily Emily Dominich, who one year she just on Twitter started collecting families' suggestions for mm-hmm. people she could visit at Arlington because, of course, not everyone can make it to Arlington. Yeah. She's like, well, I'm here. Why don't I go pay my respects? Well, then the word got out and a bunch of people wanted to do this and she didn't have enough time to do everyone. And so the Manion Foundation joined with her and created the Honor Project, which in in cemeteries across the United States and across the world, we send people out to visit the graves of those who have oh, family wonderful. members that they can't visit. So we did a couple, sent a picture to oh. a to a photo gallery, and then you can go check the photo gallery yeah. if, you're, if your family member is on the list. So that was nice, and it's always wonderful. good for the kids to get some perspective 
on why we have the cookouts on Memorial Day weekend. Yes. So there was that. And then I made, you said baking, that's mm-hmm. a, not your thing. I made, wait for this. I know it doesn't sound like me, but we had a guest who needed. You were very considerate. Who needed a birthday treat. Mm-hmm. But she is gluten-free and dairy-free. And I was like, okay, this is a challenge. But I found a chocolate chip cookie recipe. I know there are dairy-free, dairy-free chocolate chips. That's a real thing. And I made it. And I got to tell you, not half bad. <laughs> not Well, you know, considering what you had to work with. Bad. First of all, okay, a couple things. Number, like they look real. One, they taste real. Yeah. It's it. The more they look real, they taste real. That sounds like my description of my old favorite ice cream when I was a kid, which was Friendly's banana, which Ooh, was a bright yellow. Friendly's. as I if sh- the banana yellow is like. I should have taken. I should have taken a picture because they do look pretty fantastic. So I was proud of those. So proud that mm. I this morning, I did TV at Fox. I went home and baked cookies you. for my daughter's class because they're celebrating summer birthdays today, and then took them up to the school because she has two classmates who are gluten-free and she, very empathetic, was like, well, I want them to be able to eat my birthday treats. So I said, I've got just the thing. I practice making yeah, gluten-free you had cookies it this weekend. Ready to go. So I took those up there and it was the very, my children have been asking me all year, mom, can you come and see us for lunch? Come and see us for lunch. Come and have lunch with us. And I'm like, yeah, 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 totes, totes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm not great at scheduling, as you know. Today was the very last normal lunch day and mama made it to both lunches look at you <laughs> at long last you know i really i need a deadline vic i need a deadline and today was the last day so uh, here we are a couple things one enjoy this moment where your kids still want you i know <laughs> it's the last thing that I shouldn't like, take it my for daughter granted. would be like i had to drop my daughter off the other day at starbucks i said i can go in with you <laughs> she's like, she's uh, like nothing so, speaking of Wanting us. Yes. You can have plenty of us on Instagram at Getting Hammered Podcast. That's right. We're on. Please give us a follow. There will be video. Sometimes of like half my face, sometimes of all of my face. We're, we're, we're doing a little yeah. workshopping. We're about beta testing. Yes. We're doing some workshop. Anyway. Testing. But it was really considerate of you to make those gluten-free. <laughs> it's becoming a thing. I think what I would have done is made regular luscious cupcakes with heavy mm-hmm. on the icing right and then and then i'd be like and here's some celery sticks you're welcome you're welcome enjoy you're it's, welcome. Healthier. it's healthier all right speaking of memorial day let's let's kick off with just a little yeah just a little memorial day content from the contenders uh, oh yeah in you gotta say something you gotta say something you gotta say something and you know with these stellar entrants <laughs> especially the incumbent and Trump. Let's hear a little bit about what what they had to say. I'd like to do a little compare and contrast. We have, this is Donald Trump. Donald Trump, all caps, on the truth. Happy Memorial Day to all, but especially to those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for the country they love and to those in line of a very different but equally dangerous fire stopping the threats of the terrorists, misfits, and lunatic thugs who are working feverishly from within to overturn and destroy our once great country, which has never been in greater peril than it is right now. We must stop the communists, Marxists, and fascists, quote, pigs at every turn and make America great again, exclamation point. You want my thoughts on this? How, how do you do? Okay. You, do you feel like we honored 
those uh, we've lost. Kind of, kind of a run-on sentence thing going on there. But as, I, as an I, editor, you must say, yeah, okay. But here's the interesting thing. I so I saw the I saw the tweet. He does something that is very age appropriate, but <laughs> okay. I shouldn't say that all older people do this. I don't want to say old people because I'm old, but older people they like the all caps. They, they lo- he especially. Well. Yeah, it's it's a certain type of internet denizen it, who loves yeah, all, well, the all, yeah, the all the caps. caps. So uh, my mother-in-law, God bless her, she's great. You know, she has this little newsletter blog she sends out to her friends. Sometimes it's late, and usually she'll preface the the email with all caps, alert, alert, <laughs> with five exclamation points. It's going to be late today. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, you know, the the, the plumber's coming in. Alert, alert. You I know, have... so everything is all caps, and it's like. You know, when we see this, yeah, I think, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Emergency. Something's, something's really yes, happening. Yes. No. And in fact, it's, and you would be it's incorrect. Just, I would be incorrect. The other thing I was reminded of, I think this Bill Barr mentions this when he had met with Trump, and Trump talked about his tweets. Right. And the secret to a tweet going viral, he said, was to just make it a little bit crazy. Like there's something like you start off sort like, of normal, like Cuff Yeah, like Cuff like Feffy. people are like we, they're like, like we don't we, understand this, but no. it's funny. And it's all we did was talk about this, Rob, Rob DeSantis. But that's a whole other thing. We'll get to, we'll get into that in a second. Okay, okay. But but I just want to say I just want to say, but just making it a little crazy. And and he's the master at that. The question is if we want four more years of that. I once, okay. I heard Sean Spicer recently telling the story about how Trump dealt with Cuff Feffy, and which was a famous viral tweet of his that nobody knew what it meant nobody knew what it meant including i think trump and he gets on the phone with spicer who was the press secretary at the time and he was like he just basically said like tell him you know what it means and spicer's like but what does it mean he's like don't worry about it just say just say you you've you totally get coffee i think and this has happened to me where you are so tired that you are reading something and you could be on your phone and your thumb just hits the button, and I for the and I think the Kafefi tweet I think was late at night. My, my thought was that he did that as he was falling asleep, which is a bad so? yeah. thing to do. I think about this if any time anyone was going to ask me, oh, why did you like this certain tweet? If that if, if that ever happened to me, I would I would be like, oh, I just fell asleep and my thumb. Hit I think it. there should be a blanket rule that likes don't count. Yeah, because I have no idea. Right. Things I have just, liked with the I mean, it's flick so easy. It's so easy. If you think you're scrolling, all of a sudden you hit like this like, something nah. really terrible. I, I, okay. I, I disavow all my likes. So, so, so that was the Trump tweet, the Trump, the Trump message of for Memorial Day. Here's a little from Ron DeSantis. We have a great country built on great values. We have a great constitution, a great declaration of independence. But those don't run on autopilot if you don't have people throughout history willing to put on the uniform, risk their lives, and indeed give the last full measure of devotion. None of that's going to amount to very much. And so today is a day to reflect on those that made the ultimate sacrifice, because if you don't have people that are willing to do that, then you really can't have a free free society. A little contrast. Contrast. You, you know, your bias is showing, though, Mary <laughs> Catherine, because you, re- you read Trump as Trump and you read the, the DeSantis tweet as Maya Angelou. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair... DeSantis's was normally punctuated and in yes, regular yes, non-caps. It, yeah, true. just it it's read true. like no, no, that fair, because fair. it was not phrased yeah. in the same way. Yeah. So what um, are your what are your thoughts? Did you like one over the other? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I prefer the DeSantis <laughs> approach. Joe Biden, I have one thing oh, to say boy. about as well. He did the normal, you know, presidential. Yeah, yeah, of course. Stuff, He's got things is, to do. Which is all a- yeah, of appropriate. Course. However, I would like to point out that as late as last week, just 
right on the run-up to Memorial Day, he once again claimed that his son, Beau Biden, who served in, honorably in the military, was killed in Iraq. That is a giant, I would go so far as a giant, nasty, perhaps vile lie. It's a lie. And it is a form of stolen honor to say that you are stolen a gold... Stolen valor, right? A stolen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stolen, stolen, stolen valor, valor to say that you are a gold star parent when you are not. And there's plenty of gold star families who are like too polite and don't want to make Memorial Day about a fight with Joe Biden. But it's not a nice thing to do. And it does not properly honor those he should be honoring. His son did not die in Iraq. His son died of a brain tumor much later after coming home. And it is sad that he lost him, but it is not the same as in combat, right. which is what he is alleging. And you I think it's to add that so wrong and people just let it lie because he is Joe Biden. Yeah, good old Joe. You know what the spin is on this, of course. The spin is, well, you know what he meant. Bo was in Iraq, as you know, and he was exposed to the burn pits, mm -hmm. which most likely gave him the cancer that uh -huh. he died of back home. That's, Therefore, that's, he died there. Look, I'm not even sure that Biden thinks that spin is real, right? Okay, first of all, a JAG officer from Delaware who is the son of the president, vice president, is, is seeing a lot of burn pit action. I'm not sure that that's where he was stationed. And if it were, there would have to be a material link between those two things so that you could then claim this. And if there weren't, and it was a Republican president doing the same, he would be fact-checked all the way relentlessly to the end of his life. I do want to say this, though, similar to the president, when Obi-Wan Kenobi said that Darth Vader killed Luke's father, and then Luke later on in Empire Strikes Back was like, wait a minute, if he's my father, why did you say that he killed him? And Obi-Wan's like, well, in a way, he no longer ceased to exist. Therefore, I was right in a way. You know, that was the ghost of Obi-Wan. This is like Biden is doing the same thing. <laughs> it's, the same. it's the same thing as Ben Kenobi. So, in yeah. yeah, and <laughs> Kenobi's an honorable man, so <laughs> I feel like... it can cease to exist. I just, it's yes. amazing that no one cares about this. It is a yeah, they, really... Get, it's a recurring one. This is the, what do you call it, bottomless Pinocchio. Yeah, this is, yeah. this is a bad lie. Don't do this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't do this. Mm. Well, he did the other normal stuff for Memorial Day, which I appreciate. Didn't send out an all caps okay. tweet, so yeah. that's good, too. All righty. We got debt ceiling. This is what's up on the Hill. And by the time you hear this, who knows? They are hoping to oh. get it out of Rules Committee today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then vote on it tomorrow, correct, in the House? By the time you listen to this, they're hoping to yeah. be voting on it, is what I'm saying. This is, of course, this began with the original House version of not defaulting, which asked for some spending freezes and yeah. other things and clawing back some COVID yeah. money and, and clawing back some of the funding for IRS agents. Now, that was pie in the sky, like a list of wishes for the GOP. Right. It's However, like asking for a very, very, very high salary in order to be met somewhere right. in the middle. However, it so got them it got them to a place where yeah. Biden had to say, Yes, I actually will be negotiating with you. Now, it took Biden's three weeks to decide to do that. Yeah. And so it's a huge problem. They lost a lot of time and he lost a lot of left wing adulation because yeah. they thought he was gonna hold strong Dark Brandon mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not negotiate. Yeah. Fourteenth um, Amendment and all. Right. And he was going to try some trick to just say, ha ha, mint the coin or 
or yeah. 14th Amendment, I don't have to be beholden to any of you because this isn't we're, we're killing right. democracy to save democracy mm -hmm. and all that good stuff like the liberals like to do. And in fact, here we are, McCarthy and Biden end up having a negotiation coming to a framework agreement mm -hmm. about what they're going to do. And then they both have to go back to their sides and say, and we got we got to pass, pass this thing. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about this. This is my general takeaway, because some conservatives understandably are like, this doesn't look like any sort of real savings or spending right. cuts. And right. will any of this really materialize? Yeah. Some of them are in a state. These are all fair questions. Chip Roy, in particular, who is on the Rules Committee, is saying, I don't think so, man. Let me see if I can play that clip for you guys. I want to be very clear. Not one Republican should vote for this deal. Yes. Not question. one. If you're out there watching this, every one of my colleagues, be very clear. Not one Republican should vote for this deal. It is a bad deal. So Chip Roy says, has this to say. Now, the Rules Committee is important because there are, I think, nine Republicans on it. Yeah, something like nine to four. Nine to four. And there is an allegation that there was a an agreement back in the speaker fight that anything that got to the House floor had to have unanimous Republican backing in the Rules Committee. Mm -hmm. Now, the McCarthy people say, no, that's not true. We only said seven, so they have two votes to lose. They have already those two votes well, lost. <laughs> so... They're saying, no, 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 that wasn't the agreement. It wasn't unanimous. I have some trouble believing that you would negotiate a way that all the Republicans on the Rules Committee have to agree. That seems like a pretty risky gambit. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know what all the details were back when McCarthy, he had to issue these procedural concessions right. in order to secure their vote so he could become Speaker of the House and get, get things done. And it looks like he's still continuing to get yeah. things done and defying the odds. But... I do think that if he's going to hit a snag, it's going to happen with this rules committee. Well, yeah. and, and well, and it would be a real hoist by your own petard moment yeah, if that were the case, fitting. right? Or is that an O. Henry story? Is that an O. Henry if you like you need <laughs> the votes on the rule committee, but you give them to the people because you needed the votes on the rule committee? Is that to get like the... what is like Lady and the Tiger? I don't know. <laughs> I would gift of the Magi. Anyway. No, okay, so no. Uh, uh, I, do, I do want to say this, and I know I mentioned this on the last episode when I said, oh, I'll come to a deal in the fall. It's fine. It won't be the end of the world. That was like a worst comes to worst. However, Janet Yellen has already pushed back June 1 to June 5. Yes. And if she can push it to June 15, well, then you have more revenue coming in again when you have individual filers. And then at the end of the month, not just the LLCs, but at the end of the month, you have pensions, everybody else coming in, and that'll continue right. to fund them for a little bit. But I, I still think that this could happen. A lot of people, Nancy Mace is not happy with this. Right. She's in a real state. But again, they're controlling one third of the, they, well, well, it's one chamber. Okay. I don't know how much they think they can get out of them. Well, and here's, this yeah. is, this is the fundamental problem, yeah. right? I'll, I'll give you a little preview of what appears to be in the agreement. Although, yeah. of course, we never know exactly until these things sure. come together. The agreement includes policy changes to work requirements for the TAMP and SNAP programs, yeah. which are food, That's right. food stamps and such including time limits for SNAP recipients up to age 54, according to a source familiar with negotiations who was not authorized to share details publicly. Veterans and the homeless would be exempt from new or existing time limits. The changes are likely to be unpopular with House Democrats, but it imposes no new work requirements for Medicaid, a win for the White House. In other victories for Biden, the agreement protects the environmental provisions from the Inflation Reduction Act, including clean energy funding. It also doesn't touch Biden's student debt relief plan, which frankly, I think the courts are gonna do the work on that anyway. Mm -hmm. McCarthy speaking to reporters touted that the deal had historic reductions in spending, no new taxes, 
no new government programs and would make reforms to, quote, lift people out of poverty, referring to the work yeah. requirements. OK, so that's sort of the lay of the land. And it does look like some of the IRS funding will get clawed back, but probably tossed to other domestic mm-hmm. things. At any rate, here's the problem we have, which is that McCarthy essentially won the game here. He won the debt limit game, which is that Democrats are now negotiating on his ground right. because their ground was not negotiated at all. Right. So they're negotiating on his ground. For two years. However, the ground is still massive government spending because not only is mm-hmm. government inclined to inexorably grow regardless, it grew so outrageously during COVID that our caps, yeah. like our bottom, you know, sort of like right. floors are insane. It was so like a 40% increase. It is sort of sad and understandable why conservatives are mad that when you're, when you're looking at these spending cuts, you're like, but this is nothing. We're like, we're arguing over right. just fractions of fractions. Like we're not making any headway at all. And that honestly is true. I can't, I can't sure. really quibble with the fact that this is a deal that's better than as bad it could, as it could be. Right. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. sort of yeah. where that's, that's the area you're working in. Right. But <laughs> but with divided government, I think not even it's not even that he controls the White House and Republicans control Congress. They don't even control all the Congress. Right. I think this is, you know, I, I will make I'll, I'll make the half loaf is better than no loaf. Yeah. And even if it's not a half, it's it's a third of the loaf that includes the heel that nobody but me wants to eat. Yeah. When you get the thing of toast, <laughs> the loaf of bread, I don't mind that. They are trying to make the argument of, you know. Spending is still going up, just not as much as they wanted to. Right. But that's still considerable because oh yeah, no. Dems if want us if to it like, were up to them. Oh well, that's the thing. Let's look zoomed at the, to the moon. Let us look at the alternative, which is Democrats wanted to spend something like seven hundred fifty-seven billion dollars, and McCarthy got it down to seven hundred four well, billion. And, so, and this does you know, seem to include which is not six hundred eighty-nine billion from last year. But again, this does also work. seem to include, according to. Thomas Massey, who is one of the sure. GOP guys in the Rules Committee who would need to get on board with this, there does seem to be a provision in here. I have no idea if it's enforceable, as many spending cut things are not yeah. actually enforceable. Mm-hmm. There does seem to be something in here that if you don't go through the regu- regular budget process in the future doing not omnibus bills, but each right. appropriations bill, if you don't do th- go through the regular process, which we should because that is a responsible mm-hmm. thing to do. Mm-hmm. Then it triggers a one percent right. across the board like, cut. Everybody has to cut. 1%. Now that I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah, I like that provision. Good and bad, depending on your department. You know, so I mean, if, does that mean defense? Well, know? I think so it actually exempts be... defense because we always exempt. <laughs> yeah, except what? for in sequestration, which we did not, which I cheered for as well because I was like, look, I was gonna say, we got to take a hit. We got to take a hit. You, you got to get some okay. spending cut someday in yeah. my entire life. Yeah, yeah, you got to go for All it. Right. Okay. I will say though that that increase in the amount that, that they're going to agree to spend. For the budget, it there's a good chunk of that. It's just like veterans' health benefits and stuff. Right. No member of Congress wants to be called out. On oh, that. of course. And oh my look, gosh. And we'll just play DeSantis speaking to, like, yeah, the rational part of my brain, which is like, we are hurtling, hurtling to fiscal oblivion, yeah. and we're just scraping off a little bit here and there that probably won't end up being scraped off anyway. Mm-hmm. This is this is just real. Yeah, but I don't. In this negotiation, I don't think right. you fix that In this problem. negotiation, which kicks the can down two years, right? Two years. Yep. So after the next election. Makes, that, makes yield presidential election pretty important. Right. Well, I was going to say, you know, in, in political terms, that's a lifetime away. President Biden might not even be president, in which case, if you had a Republican, 
then you can really try to get something done, right? Yeah. And that can really happen. But in the meantime, look, there's still good things in this, you know, with, with SNAP, as you're talking about, for, you know, to uh, certain welfare benefits and food stamps. You can't be somebody like, you know, in your early Able, 50s. Able-bodied. And, and, and not just, and you can't just sit around and collect the, yeah. the food That's stamps. That's good. That's good. We're, I, I, I lean toward work. Yeah. Also, it would claw back some of the unused mm-hmm. COVID billions, yeah. which I like. Why do we need those oh, yeah. sitting There's in a pot? Oh, yeah, something like $28 somewhere. billion. Dollars on- okay, so the, that's that's the outline of it. You know, you heard from Chip Roy on mm-hmm. one side. You heard from DeSantis on the other. Mm-hmm. McCarthy and Biden trying to, like, cobble everyone together. I will say liberals seem upset because they really thought that Dark Brandon was charging in and not and just going to, like, lay this at Republicans' feet, I guess, somehow. But it just didn't seem like that could happen after they actually passed a bill. Well, what's interesting, though, is if you're watching, I'm watching TV all day today, right? Well, not watching it, but I have it on right. the whole time I've been here since this morning. And the entire focus is on the Republicans and the Freedom Caucus and the Republicans on the Rule Committee, Rules Committee and Chip Roy and everybody, Nancy Mays, everybody else. And not a lot of focus. I didn't see almost any focus. So strange. So strange how that works. Yeah. Yeah. As if they're all in lockstep. And, uh, of course, in the Washington Post, Jennifer Rubin's column is Biden is once again proves to be a a, a genius. Brilliant tactician. Deal maker. (laughs) So there you go. He's amazing. He's amazing. All right. Should we do a little sports? Oh, sure. Let's do it. Controversial sports today, Vic. Controversial. Sadly, uh, it's more and more, but go ahead. All right. So this is the trans athlete discussion, which has been going on for some time. Mm-hmm. I believe the the first sort of high school level incident of this was two athletes in Connecticut in That's right. 2017-ish yeah, yeah. who transitioned as post-puberty mm-hmm. males to females to run. Mm-hmm. And, and just crushed just it. just were state champions very very, very quickly, as one would imagine, mm-hmm. because the testosterone of a post-puberty male is going to mostly dominate yeah. women of the same age. That's just a fact, guys. But it isn't a fact to everyone. <laughs> so that there's a new fight happening because in California, in Northern California, a high school race, I believe it was to get to the state finals, right. a trans athlete finished in second place, pushing the fourth place finisher out of competition for the state finals. So one young lady lost her spot to this trans athlete. There was a similar story in Southern California where another trans girl finished third and was deemed eligible for state finals. This became a controversy. Mm-hmm. And then the two, two runners, two trans runners, did not show up for the state finals. Now, the California, whatever, oversight board of, of these athletes says the reason for this is because there, was, there were safety issues and they were concerned because there were protests. And then... This interested me. LA Times spoke to five local coaches yeah. of these of runners slated to compete in this 1600 meter, which is where the two trans athletes were competing. When asked for their views, three said they simply coached athletes to compete against anyone in the field, regardless of identity, while two expressed belief that transgender girls should be placed in their own separate heat for competition. Thank you to those two coaches who are dealing in reality. I understand yeah. that it's hard to say this stuff, I've been in positions where it's hard for me to say it just on Twitter and I don't have a job at stake, right? Right. There is such a mob on the other side ready to call you insane because you allege that post-puberty biological males are obviously better runners than women and that they're going to crush a lot of the competition quite easily 
They are determined to tell you you're crazy and hateful if you think this, but it is just common sense. And so I don't know exactly where this stands right now, but a couple mm -hmm. of other places, again, we're sort of weirdly behind the curve in America, where like other places they've decided, oh, maybe, maybe this isn't such a great idea, and maybe it is sort of unfair. And there have been several pro-arenas or pro-associations where they've said, hey, maybe we do need to put the brakes on this. So cycling is one of yeah. them. And so I think there may be a tide turning a bit. There do seem more be more people willing to talk about this, including two of those coaches. What do you make of this, Nick? If the pendulum, I'm waiting for that pendulum to swing as well. And I thought that we were beginning to see this with Bud Light and other instances of this, maybe with the Dodgers. By the way, I should say yeah. in, in polling, this is like an 80-20 issue. Yeah, but you're not like, supposed to know that. You're not supposed to talk about that. But basically everyone thinks yeah. that this is unfair. Right. Yeah. Oh, especially that. Yeah, not not, not even transgenderism broadly, no, no, but I just specifically, mean the, specifically the sports. Biological males competing in female sports. Absolutely. And I think people are afraid to admit that out in the open. As you said, it takes a lot to be able to get up there and say this and take this position. What I find baffling are the defenders yes. of these biological men, because what they're basically saying is they're also defending Title IX and women's sports. Right. How are they doing it? Well, this person says she's a woman. Right. If she if that's who she feels she is, therefore she is. End of discussion. Here's, she just happens to be like an Amazonian. Here's the know? thing, by the way, is that they always sort of they they say oh, it's just it's like high school sports. Who cares? Well, first of all, there's scholarships yeah. up for grabs. This is, these are people who've been working their entire lives at this. Riley Gaines, who was the University of Kentucky swimmer who had to go up against right. Leah Thomas tied with Leah Thomas in her event, of course, was not given the trophy that they had on hand because the trophy had to go to Leah Thomas, right. lest there be talk and concern right. about everyone's hatred. So, like, she worked her whole life and then didn't get her trophy when the time came, even though she tied and earned the right. trophy, right? Like, these things do matter. And the thing is that, to me, it matters almost more in high school because at a pro level, at an Olympic level, what do you have? You have testing. Mm-hmm. You don't have testing at a high school level. At a high school level, you are just up against sexual prime testosterone levels with right. no mitigation in most cases. That's and right. that is a different scene than if, I still think it's unfair, but it's a different scene than if you're taking hormones and you're in a different place yeah. with your testosterone level. Well, and, and the other thing is, as you mentioned, the girl in fourth place, for example, right? right. Who, gets, who gets bumped off. She's supposed to feel bad. You know, right. or, and, and, and that, that if her position is restored in third place, for example, she should feel feel bad about it. And then, and the defenders of what you would normally say is just, you know, women should have their own sports versus yeah. men, biologically yeah. speaking, that you're the ones who are both crazy and can should I, feel bad. Can I read something to you yeah. that's actually crazy on this on yeah. this subject? This is Elizabeth yeah. Spires, who's a I believe a New York Times writer. Is that correct? Was this at USA Today? No, or, this no. is different. Oh, okay, this is yeah. a tweet. This is a oh, New York, right, 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 right. She's a New York right, Times sorry. opinion writer in Slate and other places, I believe. Mm -hmm. She has this to say about this issue. And she, she said in subsequent tweets, she was a high school athlete. So it's not like she doesn't have experience with right. this. I've never boxed in my life. But if I did, I'd be fine with boxing a trans woman in my weight class. The women's sports nonsense is just a vehicle for transphobia and has nothing to do with fairness in sports. Have you ever seen a man, say MMA, boxer, mm -hmm. in my weight class? Okay, right. I'm about 
135, 145, mm -hmm. okay? The men in that weight class are very, very strong. If you saw a picture of one, mm -hmm. Henry Cejudo is a good example. He's an MMA guy. Just look up, just Google a picture of Henry Cejudo and, and ask yourself whether I could take him on my best day. Mm -hmm. and, and, and ask, oh, wait a minute, is that Vic Mattis they're going to say? <laughs> and that's the first thing they're going to think. And then the second thing will be, oh my yes. gosh, this guy. Yeah, but like, yeah, I think there's an issue when you're feminizing, feminisming so hard that you mm -hmm. volunteer to get beat up by a biological male to prove it. Like that's the, that's really yeah, taken one for the I team. I think she, she tried to give herself some cover by saying, in my weight class. In other words, but that's if not I'm cover. 130 and she's right. 130, yeah, I, he, she's 130. Maybe we'll be evenly matched, but that's really not uh, what's going on. And 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 I take it that she was ratioed, as the kids say. Yeah, I believe on that one. Yeah. It's a big old ratio. Yeah. You know, just bigotry though. Just not just yeah. totally bigotry. That's also what a USA Today columnist has to say. She's going after Sam Ponder, who is a sometime ESPN right. personality contributor. Sam Ponder has said, you know, somewhat timidly, this is her tweet. This is an ESPN women's an anchor. I barely said anything publicly about this issue, and I've had so many people message me, stop me in the street to thank, to say thank you, and tell me stories about girls who are afraid to speak up for fear of lost employment being called hateful. It is not hateful to demand fairness in sports for girls, Ponder wrote on Thursday. This columnist for USA Today says, no, in fact, it is about nothing but hatred. It can be about absolutely nothing else. And then she goes on to explain all the very unsupported assertions about how trans folks will commit suicide if they don't transition. And we have all this very, very good data about it. It's, it's like, no, you actually don't know what you're talking about because the data isn't that good. I also always refer to Jesse Single, who really is an expert on this. Yeah. But I like that that stuff just gets put into news copy without anyone blinking an eye. Her, her quote yeah. is, yes, it takes real courage for a woman with an inordinate amount of privilege to pile on a group that is already among the most vulnerable in our society. Rates of suicide and attempted suicide for transgender people, teens and young people especially are horrific. Transgender people also are at an elevated risk for physical and sexual assault and are more likely to experience homelessness. Acceptance, be it in the form, form of support from family and friends or being able to partake in sports and other social activities can reduce the risk of harm. And by extension, Sam Ponder is endangering people by saying that maybe this is unfair. It's just... Not all of that is very supported. And I feel like if I wrote that for USA Today, for, coming from the other side, I'd be really, really fact-checked. Really fact-checked. But this doesn't really yeah. stand up. For example, if you mentioned that, you know, other studies show that, you know, a lot of teen dysmorphia, gender dysmorphia, is often re resolves itself. Oh, no, we can't put that in print. By the time they're out of puberty. And if you decided to go the way of trans surgery, Mm -hmm. or anything like that, and the puberty blockers and chemical castration or whatever, if you did change your mind, change your mind, it's a lot harder to go back, yeah. you know? Look, I'm, yeah. again, I'm glad there is, there does seem to be more of a conversation about this than there used to mm -hmm. be. In fact, I believe one of the young women who bravely sued in Connecticut over the transgender mm -hmm. athletes, she went to court over this and wrote for USA Today at one point and later had her piece airbrushed because her terminology, you know, of course, a year and a woke. half later was not woke enough. And so they had to change her terminology in retrospect. And she was like, I wrote the column because I believe this. But then a few years from now, we'll just keep on oh, changing no, we're just whenever. Like keep airbrushing. Again, it's very 1984. Right. Could you imagine 10 years ago submitting a piece like that to an editor? 
I mean, they would think that you were crazy. <laughs> but now it's like, oh, we got to run this piece. It's absolutely. Why not? It's like, you know? it's like if if this is mm-hmm. if there's nothing but bigotry here, then I guess everyone was bigoted until 12 years yeah, ago. That's right. Like every for thousands thing. of years. For thousands of no, years. But what yeah. they'll tell you is they'll retcon that too, and say yeah. and say, oh no, oh, this was very it, very common yeah, in ancient times. Very common, yeah. and we just lost our enlightenment enlightenment somewhere along that's the way, right. thanks to capitalism and America. But it's like. They're, you know, they look at the picture of, you know, Leah Thomas, you know, standing there in first place with yeah. the other swimmers and, 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 and the USA Today columnist is like, yeah, that looks completely normal to me. That's fine. I just, it's, it, it's enabling. It so. is. Okay. It is fair to have rules mm-hmm. that make these things fair. And I would suggest that anybody yeah. who wants to box a biological male in their weight class to mm-hmm. just look, look at the pictures first before you commit to that one for the cause we talked about i remember some time ago on the sub beacon with sunny bunch and jonathan last about serena williams and if she were to play a man right Right. and and that you know that she would win that she has the capability of and it was either jonathan or sunny who had cited some stats saying that easily somebody not even in the top 50, but maybe top 100 yes. men yes. would still beat Serena Williams. Yes. Serena Williams has was. has said this and yeah. actually gotten hate right. for it herself. That's right. But she's like, no, it's a different game, mm-hmm. guys. I mean, she would beat me. I mean, yeah, there's no I mean, question about that. There's always a matchup, right? I could. There are some matchups yeah. I could win. Six love. I'm not even saying six. I'm at double bagel. Six love, six love. <laughs> I might get a point. You might. She double faults. Oh, you can hope. hope. You can hope. No, but I I believe Serena Williams herself has said this before and gotten into a little trouble in retro, like retroactive trouble. Sure. Because I'm sure it was okay to say it at the time, but like, you know, not not Mm -hmm. sufficiently girl power or friendly to trans athletes. But the the numbers are pretty astounding for record setters, world record holders for women in track and field versus Mm -hmm. high school men. I mean... The best of the best versus the best of the best. That's how far the distance is from Olympic Mm -hmm. to high school guys. The other thing is, and there have been documentaries on this, the the famous battle of the sexes from the 1970s with Billie Jean King versus Bobby Riggs. Right. And, oh, you know, because any man can be, you know, a woman and and this whole thing that was ginned up. Bobby Riggs was like in his, he was old by the time he fought Billie Jean King. Yes. Right? He was like in his 50s and she was like in her 20s. How whatever dare you stare this, steal this girl power origin right, story right. from me, Vic. And not only that, and but like he was, Are yeah. you going to say the mob? He was, he was, yeah, he owed a lot of money and I believe he threw that game. Well, that's, so, a lot of people believe that. Problem we can't, solved. We can't but, believe that. It's it's problematic to yeah, believe, that. believe but that. But there is some but evidence you, he that, that he was in hawk. He was in yeah, some. Yeah. He was in some trouble. Yeah. Yeah. The the women's world record for the four hundred meters is right around the thirteen year old and fourteen year old boys. So. Yeah. It's you know, there's a difference. Yeah. There's a difference. And I'm, I believe I'm somebody who is a is a fan of girl power. I have several children who I'd like yes, to teach that to. I love women's athletics. This is not the way. This is not the way. All right. I got some news from California, Vic. Uh-oh. Oh, failed state alert. Let's see if I can play a little bit of this clip for you guys. Now, it's the Golden State, and if you've ever visited, uh, you know how expensive it is to be there. But has California become too expensive to insure? One major U.S. insurance company, State Farm, thinks so. It's catchy jingle, 
I'm not going to sing it, but like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, will no longer apply to its California neighbors. The insurance company has stopped home insurance sales in the state. It cites the growing risk of catastrophes like wildfires and skyrocketing construction costs for the decision. California sees an average of more than 7,000 wildfires each year. It seems like a, a big story. It is a big story. And if you were the governor of California, you would say, well, more, you know, again, the urgency for climate, climate instead of instead of I have I have made this state so terrible that everyone's leaving. Yeah. Construction cost was the other thing. But really, let's focus on that, which is a big deal. No, it seems like a big deal that a large insurer is just taking a pass on the entire yeah. Home insurance yeah. market. Because at the end of the day, California. they probably did, you know, they did the numbers and they realized they're probably making more by not having all these policies well, versus because of what's happening. Well, and they also realize there are going to be fewer and fewer homes in California because they aren't building yeah. new ones because of the cost and because people are leaving. Net migration. People are leaving. And again, it's amazing for a state that has all of these problems and in particularly these social problems that the governor is contemplating running for president oh, he was, and trolling, uh, trolling Ron DeSantis in he Florida. He was tweeting the other day, the free state of free California. State, yeah. They're free to go to the bathroom on a sidewalk, ask Dave Chappelle. The, <laughs> that is a freedom of a sort. That is free, freedom of movement. You I didn't realize freedom of movement meant that. You don't but, get freedom from excrement, oh, Vic. Oh, oh, that, that too. Okay. I do have great trivia for you. What's that? You're probably good. I bet you know the answer. And she mentioned it. She she gave me a layup for this. No, no, no cheating on the internet. Now. Okay. Who wrote the jingle? Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Oh, I don't know. The melody. The melody. Like a good neighbor, Jennifer. State Farm is there. Jennifer, no. Barry Manilow. Oh, look at that. They're amazing. He also did the one for Band-Aid. I'm stuck on a Band-Aid. Well, that's a... God, those are both good. Uh, they're both, yeah, he worked, I, he worked for an agency. I, just, I yeah. love a jingle. And I yeah. probably have said this on the podcast before, but famously, not really famously, mm-hmm. like famous to like six people. When I did morning radio in D.C., I was on WMAL, and one of our advertisers was Zest oh, Soap. Okay. And I remembered the jingle from when I was a child in the 80s, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic jingle. And I got on the little conference. You get on a little conference call when you're with an advertiser, when they're onboarding you, and you, you read the ads on air. And we have a little discussion about what we can say about Zest Soap. And, and I say, can I sing the song? And they're like, yeah. I, no one really asks that, but go ahead. <laughs> And so every morning I would sing, zestfully, zestfully, zestfully clean. You're not fully clean unless you're zestfully clean. And it was a big <laughs> hit. I bet they went, the, the ad numbers went through the roof. People are like, <laughs> I gotta say, it? It you got some free products. It got some buzz. To this day, Mark Levin, the great one, mm-hmm. who is a listener to WMAL, every time I see him, will say, he used to sing this XS commercial. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your favorite ad jingle was Eastern Motors. I mean, that is a fantastic jingle. I believe it has appeared on the show before, and it should. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a recurring thing here. It well, should again right now. Thank you. Put you in a car today. Let Eastern Motors finance it all the way. All right, one last story. Some good news. We're finishing up with some good news in a little segment I like to call Uncancelled, which is when somebody stands up against the mob. This time it is John Cleese, who's quite good at doing that. 
Monty, of Monty Python yes. fame. He's no conservative. He's just he makes no. fun of the GOP all the time on his sure. Twitter feed. He is a guy who treasures his art and his freedom to say things and his freedom to offend people. So he was having a meeting about adapting Life of Brian for the stage. Sure. Not, not a musical, but for a... Like, like Spamalot. A live act, yes. So, And the Daily Mail reported out of that meeting that Cleese was going to cut the Loretta scene from Life of Brian. Let's play a little bit of that, and you'll understand why it's under question these days. Theoretically, that any anti-imperialist group like ours must reflect such a divergence of interest within its power base. Agreed. Francis? Yeah, I think Judith's point of view is very valid, Ray, provided the movement never forgets that it is the unalienable right of every man or woman or woman to rid himself or herself or herself. Agreed. Thank you, brother. Or sister. Or sister. Where was I? I think you finished. Oh, right. Furthermore, it is the birthright of every man or woman. Why don't you shut up about women, Stan? You're putting us off. Women have a perfect right to play a part in our movement, Reg. Why are you always on about women, Stan? I want to be one. What? I want to be a woman. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. Well, why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But you can't have babies. Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus going to just take? You're going to keep it in a box? Here, I've got an idea. Suppose you agree that he can't actually have babies, not having a womb, which is nobody's fault, not even the Romans but that he can have the right to have babies. Good idea, Judith. We shall fight the oppressors for your right to have babies, brother. Sister, sorry. What's the point? What? What's the point of fighting for his right to have babies when he can't have babies? It is symbolic of our struggle against oppression. Symbolic of his struggle against reality. All right, so that's that. A, cl- a classic. So the Loretta scene... Yes is under fire, but he says that the Daily Mail misreported this. Uh Cleese shared his thoughts in a series of posts on Twitter. A few days ago, I spoke to an audience outside London. I told them I was adapting the life of Brian so that we could do it as a stage show, not a musical. I said that we'd had a table reading of the latest draft in New York City a year ago. All the actors, several of them Tony winners, had advised me strongly to cut the Loretta scene. I have, of course, no intention of doing so. And I'm proud. I'm proud. So, yeah, I'll give him kudos, even though I'm not I, I'm not a mighty Monty Python person. Really? Yes, I know. I, I, oh. I'm not be able... Chris Caldwell, for example, our friend, used to be able to just recite word for word, just whole Monty Python soliloquies, right? Yeah. My wife, Kate, loves Monty Python, you know? So I can get in on it and I get the references. It's just a wafer, right? Because I don't know why they always say that to me about the guy who explodes because <laughs> he has so much to eat. And I did like uh, A Fish Called Wanda, which is Monty Python related. Yes. Okay, so I, I really love, love Monty that Monty Python. Uh, but it might yeah. be because my introduction to Monty Python was the perfect age. I was like probably 9 to 12, and I was steeped in Monty Python. We watched Faulty Towers. We watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail, a classic in my home. In fact, I'm wondering now if my children have seen it, and they should. I've seen it. I liked it, but not really 
sort of in that. You're not the absurdist British. No, no, no. In the the silly walks. No, no, no. However, (laughs) I will say this. Good for them. Similarly, this is interesting. Blazing Saddles was on TV recently. Mel Brooks is Blazing Saddles. And they kept it unaltered, which is a huge deal. Look at that. And it should be noted that a lot of the writing was done by Richard Pryor. Yes. Okay. Yes. Doesn't matter. He but was engaged in white right. no, supremacy. That's right. Vic. He was. He was doing it. And it's sad though because it's oftentimes you'll see an old movie and you say, "Oh, that's really funny." Wow, they can't do that today. Yeah. You know. And in fact, the Birdcage was on. Oh, I'm sure that's problematic. No, in a I bunch think it's problematic. I think, namely, not so much Nathan Lane, who himself is gay and is playing what you would say like as an old queen, right, right back right. in the day, but Hank Azaria who is, of course, heterosexual, but playing Akadur Spartacus. Is he even allowed to no, do that? No, I don't think he's allowed um, to do that. What was... Oh, Mulan is one that's problematic oh, yeah, now. For, yeah. Because it's it's all Why? about... It's de- about defying the gender binary, except that in oh, it, you accept gee. that, in fact, biological male and biological female are two different things. So it's like, you know... Yeah. I'm yeah. sure it was edited for the live version. Yeah. I have not seen the live version. Well, uh, uh, Tootsie. With Dustin Hoffman. No, well, that's definitely He has awesome. to be a a woman in order to get the part because it was unfair. Like, men could not get parts, but right. women could. And he was a really good actor. Wow. Was that a real thing? <laughs> I feel like that might be. <laughs> <laughs> bosom bosom yeah. Buddies is another good one. Uh, bosom All Buddies right. is another one. And it's played for laughs. Hey, you can't play for laughs. Without that okay. problematic sitcom, we would not have Tom Hanks. So That's right. And Peter Scolari. Oh, no. And Tom Hanks. Okay, no. Peter Scolari, too. I like Peter Rest Scolari. Rest his soul. <gasps> It's okay. It's honestly, it's really? better that he's already left oh, us no. because if because not, he would have done it. I would have done a mid. Okay. He curses them. He curses them, folks. Okay. That <laughs> wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can follow me on Twitter at Victory Nemanis. And again, happy belated Memorial Day, and especially a salute to all of those who sacrificed their lives so me and my family could live not an imperial Japanese empire. Much appreciated. Thank you. Much appreciated. You can follow us at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram, and you should. I'm at NK Hammer on Twitter, at Him and K Hammer Time on Instagram. Thank you for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs>